Hello, this is Sketch 185, and you're listening to Dadbot Rap Pod Episode 185. Big shout out to Nate LeBlanc, David Ma, Damone Carter for all the love, attention, and detail that they put into every episode. Y'all talk about the smaller voices as well as legends with the same amount of nuance and attention, and that means a lot. So on behalf of Tomorrow Kings and War Church, thank you. Peace. And now, it's time for the Dead Bond Rap Pod with your hosts, Damone Carter, David Ma, and Nate LeBlanc. Dad bod rap pod we are back we record this program live i think nate does like light edits uh he does not edit out when i say dumb shit like seal cut his face um on purpose he leaves those type of things in but for the for the most part this is a live capture of this show it's not it's not highly produced in part because we just we don't have time for that shit um and i think i think it's all right we're we're at 185 it's working uh nate what horrendous mistake of mine will you not edit out uh in this upcoming episode oh i guess we'll just have to see uh you know it's funny (laughs) i never try to think about this but it is somewhat on the back of my mind like we're about to do a segment on wax shows like the show that i'm gonna bring up is an act we like an act we've covered Mm -hmm. and i try not to do things with the lens of like we want to maintain access to this person, so I'm not going to talk about this. I think that's okay. a dangerous, bad Slippery slope move, but I've definitely been guilty of it at times. And it's more like how it's like, I think the proof of the pudding in that is what we choose not to cover. Right. So it's not oh, really, it speaks volumes. it's not editing, it's editorial. Does that make sense? Nate just dropped bars on y'all. I don't know if you saw that. Dave, that's going to be hard for you to match. Uh, honestly, Dave. I'm going to mute right now I'm just myself. <laughs> uh mr ma how's it going man it's going okay um you know it's monday we you know for for our listeners I, some might know we record the the program on mondays but i don't know my mind is mentally orbiting the weekend man so i'm, I'm Already, ready for yeah. it yeah i hear you i hear you uh we're, we're wrapping up summer here dad bod rap pod we've got um amazing stuff coming up for you guys um in this episode and generally speaking in the weeks to come uh, but we wanted to talk about whack show experiences. Um, I find it interesting that hip hop was started as a primarily live art form to the point where many people at the inception didn't believe it could be recorded. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it got recorded. And now I think we are living in the apex of rap as primarily a recorded music. Um, even live shows now a lot are uh, are people rapping over their own vocals, which I know a lot of people like it drives them nuts, but I go, that's because these are studio songs that are kind of impossible to recreate um, on stage. So I have a little bit more empathy for that, but I do think that we are in the age of rap being a re- more recorded mu- music than ever, which uh, I have a bit to a rap show in a while. And apparently we're going to get out and see some soon. But I haven't been to a rap show in a while, and I'm wondering kind of what the 
what the vibe will be like um, and how people are, are carrying their live shows. But this did start out as a live art form. Um, and for the first 20 years or so, it was very much a, a necessity for you to be able to command a stage. Um, and so it got me thinking about, um, and our guests that we're going to bring on in a little bit, Boom Back Project kind of talked about their tour experiences. I also have horrible, um, more horrible than good uh, rap show experiences from performing. And so it kind of just got my mind going on uh, the worst shows. And we, we typically don't do like the worst of anything because uh, right. we're, we're really nice guys. But um, I could not resist this one. So we are going to share our worst show experiences. Um, and I want to start with uh, Hip Hop Head, live show connoisseur, 19, what, 90. What was your run, Nate, of like going to rap shows real tough? Oh, that's that's a good question. Probably like 97 to 2005-ish, something okay. like that. A lot, okay. of shows, a lot of shows in that time, especially when I was in high school and college, like, I, I kind of dedicated my life to like watching a lot of independent rap shows. And in a way they're all kind of bad. Like it's like, it's, it's, I, 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 my concert going experiences were often more social events and especially on stage. It's like, I come from a time and a place where there's just like 8 million dudes on stage. stage and like yeah. that, that already makes the show bad. Like, right. Just like the stepping on of lines and the not allowing things to breathe. And like, there's just no room for anyone. And like, there's weird tussles over mics and yelling at of sound men. And just like, it's just like silly. So the show is more of a place to hang out with your friends, to smoke, to like watch people break dance, to watch people rap, to just be around and more to the point to like be in hip hop. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, and it's mm-hmm. like I, I, I will, I will say some names. Like most living legend shows, I've seen some really good shows and some really cool individual performances, and had a really cool moment with Merce actually when we talked to him last winter, where I got to like kind of be like, of all this stuff, you had a very different approach to it, and he explained it, and it was a great chat. However, talk about having too many dudes on stage. Hieroglyphic, same right. thing. Love them. Seen some really cool shows, but like when you have an eleven man crew there's like 33 dudes on stage right? and it's right. just weird. And that's like, just not a good way to enjoy a show, even really good shows. Um, like I saw, I've seen ghosts three times, I think. And one time in particular, he did like kind of a solo show at the mezzanine. He's what I would call like a perfunctory performer. Like he, he's there to do his thing, but then he always ends at, at this point. I don't know if this is a common thing or if he always did this. He just ends the. Sh- I've talked about this on the show before too, actually. So I'll keep it brief. He ends the show by having the DJ play Don Penn. No, no, no. And then they bring girls up out of the stage to dance. And it's like not apparent at the beginning that this is the end of the show, but it's like, he just steals everyone's girlfriend. <laughs> the show is over for you guy on the floor. It is not over for ghosts, for me. His friends and the girls still dancing on stage. So that's just a weird, that's, that's weird, bad energy. Really. If I'm being critical about it, you know what I mean? Right, right, there were right. times in the lead up to that where he'd like, perform Shushela Ghost with nobody stepping on his lines. That's amazing. So, right. you know, it's it's a tough medium. Underground rap does not have a lot of, like, stellar performers. And I mm. really have to say, like, the Roots just clown everyone in this. Their stage yes. show is so tight. Yeah. They're such pillars of touring at that time before they got their day jobs, uh, you know, doing it to a national audience, which is amazing and 
groundbreaking as well, but they just, it's like, there's like the roots and then there's a couple people who are really good performers. I would put like quantum in this, this category. And then there's kind of everyone else where it's like rap shows are social events. And if you really want to hear the music, just throw the CD. Listen in the car on the, the song. Way home. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's definitely, uh, I've always felt that rap is a sing-along music. Um, and so I don't like you- crowd participation, dude. Like, I just like, I'm not there to rap back at you. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like Karis puts the mic at Nate and he's like, no, no, yeah. you rap. Yeah. I didn't come for this. Yeah. You rap. Give, give me a tennis ball and you rap. <laughs> uh Dave, Dave Ma, what was what do you think you're you're kind of still you still go to rap shows every now and then more as a function of your work? Like sure, sure. Yeah, like what what is your your span? When were you really, really in it in it going to shows I, a lot? I would probably say similar to Nate, um, 1998 to about 2005, 2006 or so. Um, yeah. going going very tough, like so-and-so's in town, we're gonna go see them at Palookaville. So-and-so's yeah. in town, we're yeah. gonna go at this dingy bar, you know. So that was very much um part of the protocol at that time. Yeah. And what what is a what's a standout uh, horrible <laughs> show during that run, which I'm, I'm sure there were more than a couple. Right. Right. I mean, it's so funny because rap is definitely is definitely an extension of reggae culture because all these motherfuckers are always late. So if you, if you, <laughs> you've ever been to a, a Jamaican reggae show, it's like, yeah, um, yeah uh, 1 a.m. is when they come on pretty much. And um, so my story has to do with Cannibal Ox, which. We've had the mighty vast air on the show, and yeah, I'm, I'm, it's no secret that I'm a huge, huge fan of the Cold Vein. But um, they were in town, San Jose, at the Cactus Club, at like the peak of like Cold Vein when it dropped. Is that right? Yeah, and okay. I, I went with my friend Corey. Shout out to Corey, and um, you know, I think the crowd was like 80 people or so, and then it, it seemed kind of busy because the Cactus Cactus Club is small, small. and dingy. Yep. And then they were just fucking late, dude. 11 p.m. comes by and it's like, where the fuck are these guys? 12, where the fuck are these guys? And by that point, the crowd had um, dwindled to like 20, 10 dudes. Oh, Lord. Then like one o'clock, Bastier fucking shows up, kind of talks shit because nobody's there, and then raps for 10 minutes and then leaves. (laughs) <laughs> and then and then but but this this is the cherry on top of the cherry then they come back like 10 minutes later people are like what the fuck they're kind of leaving kind of confused and started throwing out t-shirts into the audience and the t-shirt said hip-hop on it there it is <laughs> kid, i kid you not I kid you not. anyway so yeah that's that was a very cold it's so crazy that you, you you pulled that one out one i've never heard that you tell that story before and two up my like centerpiece bad hip hop show stories also about Cannibal Ox. <laughs> no way. <laughs> so they were it was at Great American Music Hall Damn it. around the time of Fantastic Damage and they were still touring uh Cold Vein and I, I think I've told a version of this story before. Like that that show had a lot of energy. Like at the, I believe it was DJ Abilities was the DJ. He did that thing where he like drinks the 40 and does his cut ups and LP and Aesop Rock went back and forth on some stuff, kind of hype man for each other. That was really mm-hmm. cool. They brought a lot of energy. Cannibal Ox came out, and I, I, I've told the story before. I'll just I'll say I get why they felt this way. The San Francisco crowd in most music genres is known as a shitty crowd. It's very mm. 
erudite like mm. it's cardigan rap dude like mm-hmm. it's yeah. it's like yeah. and i'm part of the problem like i do right. this too if i'm really enjoying a show the person performing it would basically have no idea i have right. this kind of rapturous arms folded head nod thing that i do because i'm listening and right. i'm taking right. it all right. in right. and it, it right. kind of seems like i'm not i'm not digging it actually we uh, in another former episode i got to talk about this with one of the artists j live made fun of me um while doing his DJ cut up thing, because he's like, and like, you know, get a load of this fucking guy with his arm up Because I now have a podcast, I got to tell him, I was like, I was so into it. Yeah. But I have like yeah. a weird look on my face. I know, I don't know how you would know I was into it. I'm not a throw my hands in the air like I just don't care. I fully care kind of person. <laughs> so, um, anyway, I believe that this is, we didn't get a chance to talk to Vast about this. Maybe someday I, someone else will or we could talk to Vortal or something but anyway I just felt like the Canox have like contempt for the audience and it's like a lot mm-hmm. of white people probably looking kind of bored not giving a ton mm-hmm. of energy back and that doesn't excuse like everyone else rocked that night and was great and like really really brought a lot of energy to it so they they really stand out as someone I was like dying to see like really really into mm-hmm. it and mm-hmm. what just left with a sour taste in my mouth that basically did not get erased until we talked to right air, like, which was amazing right amazing which yeah. was amazing so much yeah. energy and he had like 400 times the energy in our little interview that he as far as he knows no one else would ever hear rather than like a full house at the Great totally. Musical, totally which is like a sick venue right you're on the illest label at the time we all paid money like we're ready dude like right. blow us away and it was just it was half-assed and that's like that's not cool you know wow i i can't believe we both had cannibal ox stories that's i know we, we man did not con- we did not confirm. <laughs> we did not yeah there yeah. was no coordination on this perhaps but. there should have been uh, but uh yeah that's that's it's interesting because having a a, a very small purview into kind of what it's like to do a bunch of shows I do feel like at some point, depending on how the tour has gone, what the money situation is, there's so many things that are behind the scenes, like what happened in fucking Portland last night, how fucked up people got. Like, there's a whole host of things that I think contribute to a shitty show. And it's what makes people like um, Slug, for instance, stand out because it's kind of like when you're a real when you're a, a professional live performer. Um, those folks take that shit seriously. So I've seen the roots um, probably four or five times. The show is totally different every time and it's totally together. Like every mm-hmm. fucking time. It's, it's rehearsed. I think right. rehearsal mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. not a big independent rap uh, moray. Hey, sure, right? sure. And, and the a, people, it doesn't appear to be from my perspective. And the know, people who the do it well, uh, you know, the people who do it well, do it well. I think Slug is one of those. I think Merz is one of those people who takes his live show super seriously develops bits for it um mm-hmm. has banter like you could just tell there's a handful of artists that really take it seriously um my my story which i may have shared on a, a previous episode but i will share again is about- <laughs> <laughs> this was cannibal ox at the catalyst let me tell you no. sorry man i just i still can't believe that man uh, we're cannibalizing our own stories <laughs> Like a bunch of oxen. Uh, uh, shout oh, out to uh, Bast and, and Vordil. We're huge fans again, but yes. that, that just happened. Uh, I want to bring up perhaps the least professional uh, performer of our time. Uh, and this would be Lauren Hill. Um, uh, she, uh, 
is notorious, so I, I don't have to get too deep into the story. But she came to the Catalyst, I believe. Um, yeah, this wasn't that long ago, right? No, no, it, it was. It was kind of like in that weird period after miseducation where you're like, oh, she's oh. not going to do anything again. Uh, and she I had a couple like, babies. I got to do my once in a lifetime time to see her. Yep. Mm. Yep. So it was like nobody had heard nothing from her for multiple years. I heard a rumor that they, she was coming to the Catalyst on this date, um, stocked out the tickets, uh, paid, I believe, upwards of $100 for, for the Catalyst. Yeah. For Jeez. the Catalyst, uh, which is a venue in Santa Cruz, which I love, but is not like pay $100 to go see anyone. Yeah. But it was just that energy because nobody had heard from her. It was that weird period where people was like, is she ever going to record again? It'd be like if Rihanna announced a tour tomorrow. Like it was that type of energy where everybody's like, we have to get these tickets. So uh, me and my wife at the time got the tickets. We had three little kids. I arranged fucking babysitting. We San Jose to Santa Cruz is not that long, but you have to go over this kind of semi treacherous hill called Highway 17 to get there. It was a rainstorm that night. The shit got washed out. We had to find an alternate route, which took us through mountains by farms. I thought we were going to like die in a flash flood, um, <laughs> but we did all this shit and we ended up at the catalyst. Um, and I'm like, we did it. We're here. This is going to happen. So we come. Maybe it's 10 o'clock because I'm like, Lauren Hill's going to be late. I've heard about this. She's going to be late. So let's not let's not pressure ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. Don't rush. So we make it there. Probably a two hour commute. We make it there um on a thursday night right not even a weekend on a thursday on a, night. On a school night yeah. on a school night so we're kind of like ah, oh, we're a little tired but we're excited to see lauren hill um 11 o'clock rolls around 12 o'clock rolls around one o'clock she enters the building her Jeez. her band finally kind of filters on stage never turns around to look at the crowd once proceeds to conduct what is essentially a sound check like wow. she's doing a sound check in front of us not looking at us being like, oh, oh, stop, stop, stop. Drums, give me a little bit more, blah, 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 blah. And we're like, even then I was like, okay, this will take 10, 15 minutes. She's going to get shit sorted out. Eventually she will turn around. She will turn around. <laughs> she will address us. We will begin the show. I'm here for it. Um, half an hour later, she's just like, okay, let's, let's go. And like, everybody's like, oh, never turned around went into a very poor rendition of do you know the way to san jose oh, i left goodness. i was like now yes. we are leaving now you personally defended me exactly. wow. i'm like you're trolling me personally with that song <laughs> wow. and it was and it was bad it was kind of like a ska version of it and i was just like we have to leave now and it's while my ways, fandom is still intact Wow. So, I, I wow. really hated on Lauren Hill aggressively for maybe five years after that, like to where I couldn't even, I felt so robbed and I've seen interviews with her where she kind of like blows that shit off. Like I'm a mom, like I don't give up. And I'm like, you know, I went with a mom, right? Like, <laughs> right. We showed up, like we got babysitting and we showed the fuck up. Like, so I, I really feel like, um, there's a, there's, a type of artist for whom they can't do a bad show. Erica Badu can't do a bad show. Mm. It's not in her DNA. Like she's just like, I'm a performer. I will show up and perform. You will get your ass a show if you come to see me. Um, and then there's, there's people who I think just don't hold the live set in that type of regard. They're just like, you're paying to come and sing along to songs that you enjoy. You're paying almost to see me as somebody who booked events for a while there's a, such a thing called a walkthrough 
where you can like pay an artist just to kind of kind of show up and stand on stage. And so I think hip hop culture definitely, or I shouldn't say definitely, there's a bit of like, um, you know, if you get a live show that's really together, you're almost kind of lucky. Like it's, it's not, it's not required. Um, it's nothing that you have to do. Certain people build their careers on it, but it, it's not a, it's not an obligatory thing for a hip hop artist to have a good live show. It's almost not even expected. Uh, yeah, which sucks, right? Like that's right, not cool. Now. now the discourse around that is this like ongoing plea from old heads to new heads to not rap over their own lyrics or their own recorded material. I haven't gone to a show like that. I don't know if I would. Like, I don't know if there's an artist in that realm that would compel me to leave the house. Um, but it's like, I, I don't know. I, like, we shouldn't accept this as the status quo. Like, I don't, I don't know. There's just, it doesn't have to be this way. And you can, like, vote with your dollars, I guess I want to say. You, you totally. totally can. But it, it, it's one of those things where there's, like, a, a, a star quality that certain people have that um, people still pay to see Lauren Hill. Like, yeah. regardless, it's yeah, interesting like, because, like, there are people I would kind of pay to be in the same room with, but I wouldn't sure. go if I knew it was just a walkthrough either, right? Right, 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 like, right I still right, want right. some music, totally. I, Miles Davis could walk in a room four hours late and turn his back to me, yes, he could, yeah, yeah he I, absolutely I, could. And I go, Lauren Hill, not so much, but you know, <laughs> I, I, I Miles Davis it. has like 35 good albums, sure, right? <laughs> and there's stories about him doing that. Where totally, people are totally. booing him and then he starts playing and everybody's like, he's like a historical figure though. Right. He, he can do that. Prince right. can do that. Yeah. Jimmy, but oh yeah. my God. Go on, I didn't even do my out of here. Yeah, oh but, man. But most, uh, most rappers are not worthy of that status. Let's, uh, let's put a shiny rainbow on this real quick. Who's the best rapper that you've seen Ooh. live? We mentioned, we mentioned the roots and that, which is kind of like a band. Uh, Nate, who is like the, the rapper you saw live in like, Really, just had the electricity and the energy. Uh, Gift of Gab and his prime. Mm. That's yeah. a good one. Mm. Breath good control, one. out mm. of control, uh, doing uh, alphabet aerobics. First time I ever heard it with Cut Chemist himself pushing the tempo on the record. Mm. The energy around that was, I, I have the chills just talking about it. Like yeah. insane breath control, insane elocution insane ability to command the crowd just it just the best rapping you could possibly imagine tongue twisting but understandable and mm, just like yeah, the, it's, yeah. it's part of the whole kind of review of how they did their shows where you're getting all these acts it's just it's just such a great thing to see yeah definitely i i think um i was gonna say gab too and I, for anyone who's seen him live <laughs> god damn it's kind of fucking hard um yeah. For me, I was gonna say Chuck D. I saw him yeah. at Rock the Bells, and yeah. look, I mean, Chuck D's not a rapidy rap guy, but in terms of stage presence, and what what struck me when I saw him live was when you when you hear Bomb Squad fucking live, mm -hmm. it's fucking Bomb Squad live, and his voice yeah. still penetrates it, and the yeah. and the clarity and just the way he sounds was kind of unmatched, and I can't really think of another rapper that could sound over i mean sound that good over bomb squad that live and that loud and you're talking about like more recently right like in yeah, the, in the would, 2000s yeah. in the 2000s so i mean yeah. god damn imagine chuck in the 90s right Fuck. right you know, fucking yeah. lion um yeah, what about you Timon? um i have a great i have a great chuck d experience i, I caught a uh, pe at the fillmore um 
oh, I'm sorry, Yoshi's Fillmore when that when that was ex- in existence for a short period. And uh, he was, you know, Chuck was in rare form. Even Flav had all the energy you would expect. And then <laughs> in the middle of um, Bring the Noise, uh, Chuck goes down and does 10 pushups. Like Shit. on stage, like, ha, ha. It yeah. jumps up like never better than better with the brother who's better than better. Uh, and we're just like, oh, wow. I don't even rap. I walked away like, I don't rap. I don't know yeah. what I'm doing. That like, this is uh, ridiculous. And, and I've also, I've seen KRS borderline religious experience. Wow. I've caught him a couple of times where it's like, you could literally start a cult. And he, and he did. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> that's the type, that's the type of live performer he is. I know there's a lot of people saying, uh, if, versus ever makes its way to KRS and it's it's a live thing which I, I'd love to see happen because I think a lot of uh his greatness gets lost if you've never had him yelling at you like if you never like literally had him like uh you better act like you know I'm like damn uh so <laughs> that those would be my two uh rappers yeah. stop rapping over your uh over your backing tracks it's and, um... and like stop letting the crowd freestyle like i know I, this is probably <laughs> not a thing anymore i'm still mad about half hours of shows that happened in like the late 90s i'm just like i did not pay to watch some random dude be nervously totally trying to freestyle like you guys are professionals just do your thing i i, I again i have very little patience for any kind of crowd participation it's just not my deal but oh, like, i so remember funny. like you know, they'd line the people up and I'm like, yeah, that guy's too sweaty, dude. He's not going to be able to rap in front of 300 people. Like, and of course he couldn't, right? Like, what right, right. that could compel oh, man. this right. crowd when you're unknown? It's just well, like... I, I, I'm sorry to cut you off. No, I feel no, like, no. I, I feel it. like that's part of it. You know, uh, let, let's bring this like little nervous white girl on stage and, and listen yeah. to her rap. Right. Listen to her fail. As a, fo- as a foil. Like, and it's like it's actually it's how they say in the Olympics they should have a normal person do fencing so you can see how good see the how fencers hard it is. are. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Totally. Totally. That's hilarious. Um yeah, I want to give I, a I, shout out though to people who are really good freestylers and like if you involve the crowd in that like give me a word, give me an object sure, kind of thing. That's sure. still like the ill hip hop parlor trick. But okay. It okay. also in, gets old. In that in that vein, I do want to bring this up because it's it's a subject we've yet to touch on, and we'll 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 land this this uh, segment. But um, you know, we want to shout out rest in peace, Zumbi of Zion I. Um, yes. Zion I in their set, and I saw them multiple times, kind of uh, early two thousands. Um, Amp would like freestyle something on the MPC, mm. and Zumbi for ten. 15, 20 minutes. Like as a person, I freestyle as a person who freestyles to do what he was doing in front mm. of packed fucking houses um, and moving crowds uh, just straight off the top. Like he, yeah. he was a beast in that regard with energy, with clarity. Um, and so, you know, a huge loss uh, for the Bay area rap community. And, you know, it's, it's been a tough, a tough year in that regard. Uh, but yeah, we just want to give, give condolences to, um, so the whole kind of Zion I family and, and everybody that was down with him, we've seen a lot of outpouring of support. But I, I do want to flag here, since we're talking about it, in terms of freestyling um, yeah. at a show, uh, Zombie was was top notch. So, you, you know, know, I, I you know, it's, I, and I know we're running out of time, but sort of on that tangent, um, you know, this person's music, I'm not super into anymore and was only briefly into it. But live show freestyling for days 
idea was a fucking beast. Yeah. I've never yeah. seen anything yeah. like him. Yep. You know, and it's not like I'm dying yep. to throw throw his CD on, but for what he did for like 45 minutes, like every fucking night was yeah. absurd. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the same Regents. show as, yeah. as the Cannibal Ox thing. It's like the idea murdered. Murdered. And murdered. it's like he, he, he like you, Dave. I'm like, he cool. You know, and then, and then it's like you see that and you're like, it's almost what he does is almost athletic. Totally. 100. It's like a yeah. mental and physical. Yes. Exertion. Yes. Level. Exactly. But yes. Like, you know, I know what I like when it comes to rapping. When he did that, I was like that. You're amazing. Like, totally. 100 percent respect. That's that's amazing. Writing a song. We could talk. But like right. in terms of that, like athletic display, both mental and physical mm-hmm. kind of gymnastics mm-hmm. he's doing. Exactly. Things on point. And like eventually, I we could talk about this literally all night, but we would have to crack some beers. Like, don't you eventually run out of stuff to rap about? Like, no. <laughs> the answer, the answer is no, because when when you're when you're connecting the thoughts, and I've seen kind of like Juice and Supernat do this, and mm. we you can kind of say, okay, that's a parlor trick. But when you're connecting the thoughts, and you're essentially doing um, rhythmic fucking improv, mm-hmm. and so it can mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. in the same way that you know, Dave Chappelle could do an eight hour uh, fucking stand up thing and just kind of riff when you're in the zone, you can literally kind of go forever. And there's only a handful of folks who are really good at it um, that I would want to see. But yeah, I, I would agree. I would agree with idea. Um, and, you know, shout out to everybody that that puts thought and energy um, and focus into a live show. It's definitely appreciated. Um, and, you know, Hopefully, uh, if ever the world opens back up again, we 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 hope to uh, engage in some dope live hip hop. Well, I do anyway. I'm not sure about Nate, but um, <laughs> some good call and response, a good hip hop show. This is making me want to see like a dope show again. But, but aren't they crutches? It's like okay, no one's paying attention. Let's do a hey ho or a everybody over here or just yeah. the ladies it's a, it's a bedrock of the got over that in like 1985 dude this it's, is like it, command my attention by rapping well it, it's it's not everybody is clued into lyrics like that you do need call and response and things to bring people in there's a way to do it i will not do it throw your hands in the air in 2021 <laughs> uh but there's a way to connect um and that's just I, I think it's just a staple of black music like there's there's always been this element of like having these things and you can call it gimmicks or whatever, but to connect with the crowd and like, for me, it feels like the, the performer saying, I'm not too good to connect with y'all on this level. Like there's some, there's some performers, like I, I don't want to hear Billy Woods go throw your hands in the air. Like it's not, <laughs> it's not, that's not that type of party. Right. But there's right. a certain type of artist where um, that's a bedrock of what they do. And it, and it's, you know, you got to be in the mood for it, but there's there's a time and a place. Um, so, so everybody, um, check out Lauren Hill and um, Kenna Blocks <laughs> on tour 2023. <laughs> the tour is for 2023, but they don't show up till 2024. Uh, we thank you for tapping in and listening to our uh, what it was group therapy around our live show experiences. We do want to throw to an interview we have with a group uh, by the name of the Boom Bat Project who uh who are you know we affectionately term road dogs they're underground hip-hop act that has toured uh extensively across the west coast done um all of the nightmare shows that that we we've talked about but uh are definitely true pros and have some great stories about what it was like uh to be on the road as a touring act um and as a, an act on rhyme at a time 
during their run. So let's throw to this interview with the Boom Back Project, Dad by Rap Pod. Dad bod rap pod every week we have conversations with people who are moving and shaping hip-hop culture this week joining us in zoom we have two members of the boom bat project uh kareem aka nightclubber lang and destro are joining us hey what's up guys yeah How you doing man uh, thank you thank for you. having us yo a Absolutely. big fan a uh, big fan of what you do on top of that so thanks it's, it's an honor for us to be on here absolutely Right on, right on. Nice well, to say thank you. Yeah, we uh we heard the new project. We were checking out the new project return return flight mm-hmm. uh today. Um, but just want to pull back a little bit and talk about uh how'd you guys come together? Because you have been a, a group since the early two thousands, correct? Yeah, yeah. So I, I uh I'm I'm from the Bay Area, and uh, I went to the University of Oregon. Um, after high school, I went to high school with Tom Brady at and King Most at Sarah. <laughs> uh, right. And then I moved yeah. up and, and I, I, I got into radio. I'd been in the radio, but I got into radio at KWVA at the University of Oregon. And then I started throwing shows. I brought I, I brought up uh, the Alcoholics and Cool Keith was the first show. Then I brought Hyro, mm-hmm. Materix, um, you know, Black Alicious, Rest in Peace, Gift to Gab. But I started bringing up all the artists that I was friends with in the Bay up to the Northwest. And in doing so, I met these guys, um, the front line, uh, mm. who was later become Old Dominion. And uh, me and Dom, Dom was in front line. Uh, I started bringing shows up to Portland and then eventually up to Seattle. I met Dom and Henri and JFK and all mm-hmm. the guys, the main guys from Old Dominion. Eventually, me and Dom uh, started, uh, recording songs. And then our old manager was wordsayer, John Moore, um, who was very instrumental in, in anything in Seattle hip hop. Um, and wordsayer gave us the name. We, we started working on songs. He, he's like, well, I want to book you guys for a show. He, and he, he's all, what do I call you guys? I'm all, well, we're working, you know, we are like, well, we're working on a boom bap project. He's like, well, <laughs> shit, I'm just going to call you guys the boom bat project and that's that's kind of how it came along and eventually i i joined became a member of old dominion so we're yeah. both you know dom is a founding member of or destro is a founding member of old dominion Dom or destro's yeah I'm the same person man <laughs> so we uh you know we we're we're part of the old dominion crew but we've mm-hmm. been doing our thing since really 1998 as, as like you know as as me and him and released our first project um it's, it's kind of hard to talk about right now because our first tour we went with uh with zion i in 2001 across the yeah. u.s uh steve zumbi has been a good friend um especially to us as a crew so a little yeah, yes a little shitty right now um you know yeah. with the news of zumbi's passing but that's kind of a, a short history of 
of how we got together and got our name. Yeah, thank you for that. And like, you know, it's just it's just crushing lately with um, the amount of uh, legends that we're losing, particularly Bay Area legends. For some reason, I don't understand quite why, but R.I.P. Zumbi and um, Zion Eye's music was really important in that scene. And like, um, he seemed by all accounts, though I never met him, to be a really, really special person. So thank you for bringing that up. And yeah, man. I'm sure it's really tough if, as as friends of his. Um I, I, this might be a little bit of a weird question, but if you've listened to this show, then you'll understand why I'm asking. You guys both, when in our lead up, we're kind of like, uh, you're like, God, you're like, especially Dom, you're like, just call me Dom, right? Like, so I want to talk about the Boom Bap project. Like, do you feel like you're kind of saddled with that now? Or like, it's like outlived its usefulness? Like, does it imply like a kind of classicism that you don't necessarily want to always uphold? Or do you, do you, do you find that to still be the right, uh, like, title for what you're doing and i guess since kareem took the last question dom why don't you take this one i mean fundamentally it's still the same thing right like the boom bap sound it's it's about like connecting with those elements of hip-hop that really got me and kareem really into it um really it was you know i was doing kind of some left weird kind of stuff with old dominion and with kareem me and him vibed on like a lot of the same classic hip-hop that we both enjoyed and that's that boom bap sound so i don't think so um i think it is it it is exactly like there is no second guessing what it is and i think that's Mm. one thing there's not you're not like i wonder what those boom bap guys are about (laughs) yeah are they gonna are they gonna start (laughs) dropping those anacon like classic <laughs> i mean it's just it's I, I think it's very direct the same way that boom bap has always been very direct and in your face um but that doesn't mean it can't grow up right so it's like we continue to evolve as writers and we now have years of experiences that we can now put into our music where we couldn't when we were younger right because we hadn't mm-hmm. had them yet i think we're in a very interesting time because i feel like we are one of the first like we are growing with hip-hop Mm. I mean, when we were little, we were like, oh, 30? Yeah, you're done after 30. Like, there's no way. Like, like we're going to tear an ACL and not be able to talk. You know, and it's, it's, I think it grows with you. I think it's honoring the sound that we love. It's being very upfront that we're not here to cater to you. We're doing music that we love and we're doing it for people who love the same kind of music we do. And I think that there's enough like lanes right now in hip hop that they should all be able to coexist. I mean, it's not like, you know, it's, I think out of every genre, I feel like hip hop has the hardest time seeing that it's a highway of different lanes instead of just one. Like rock doesn't go like, nah, man, it's only heavy metal. You can't do punk rock. You can't do soft rock, classic rock. Get that ska stuff out of here. You know, it's like, <laughs> so I'm going to make a diss track to everybody <laughs> doing heavy metal. And I'm going to eat to them for seven minutes. Like, yeah. Or like, you know, some new group comes out and it's like, yeah, I hate like all these old rockers and their right. classic music that I grew up on. <laughs> I think also another thing on top of that is, you know, we're we're getting up there. We're in yeah. our 40s. We don't give a shit anymore. You mm. know, the boom bap yeah. name, especially here in the Northwest, you know, we did so much. We're, you know, we're the first group to tour. We signed a rhyme series. We were out there and we did all the big shows. And and like, you know, at, at this point, they know the name and it is what it is. And I have no regrets on on really any of that, you know. So I, I'm, yeah. I'm 
if we're yeah. talking about the 2000s, that is the least of any of our regrets, right? <laughs> we all acted, did things that we're like, oh man, I'm so glad there weren't good cameras back then. Like, oh my God. So many moments are just like, yeah, that's definitely yeah. not a great regret. answer. I didn't mean to imply. I was no, just I know, I know. How you, how you feel question. about it as, we, as we've as uh, we kind of developed in our sound. And I, I guess, I don't know if you guys follow this discourse, but you you touched on it, Dom, in the way you answered it. It's people will kind of use that as a pejorative. People dirty use word, yeah, yeah. as a pejorative yeah. as well. Where which we y'all make fun of too, yeah. on the record, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, you got of that era, and like that's just who we are, and that's that's the music we like, and that's where we come from. And I I wouldn't be who I am without having gone through all that. So mm-hmm. I just Absolutely. it's not something I'm gonna. Uh, I don't know what you say, like. Um, discard yeah discard yeah. is a great way of putting it yeah let's uh Absolutely. let's talk about touring because like if there's anything i know about you guys from my time working in the record store and just following independent hip-hop for all this time is like you guys were like serious touring act you were all over the place like can you talk to us a little bit about what that was like like um are there any particularly memorable tours or times when you just really clicked with someone you traveled with or is there like can tell us some stories like tell us about like all these crazy times that, that would happen or maybe like a way to frame it is like do you have a favorite city that you remember hitting and just like just killing it you know i think a big one for us was uh, i could speak for don but growing up we idolized hyro yeah. and just what they Same. did in oakland and to to have them ask us to tour with them um, and being alongside Dell and Tajay and, and Pep and, and everybody for like, you know, two months, it was, yeah. was amazing. And uh, a lot of funny stuff happened on our first tour of Hyro, but we also went on tour with nonfiction and OC. Yeah. And um, you that know, was the but, same tour. <laughs> like, yeah. All three of them. Every bananas. night there was, there was, you know, there was uh, there's something memorable that happened, you know, like uh, Domino beating some guy up in in uh, Toronto, or uh, <laughs> you know something Dell might have done. I, we could get in particulars, but but for me, it kind of validated, you know, the hard work that we did and the work that we did up in the Northwest to to be able to do that. And then it was also important for us. Um, really, I, I think we were the first touring group out of Seattle. And, and, and that means out of Seattle and Portland. And, mm-hmm. and you know, eventually I, I ended up booking a lot of tours for us, but being on Rhyme Sayers really made it a lot easier for us to get out there on the road and, and open up for Brother Ali or open up for Atmosphere or whatever it might be. So that just being able to, to really go with, with, uh, with Hyro was, was a huge honor for me. And story-wise, man, we, we just drank a lot. <laughs> and we, we absolutely you know I, I think part of part of the whole thing was you know I didn't realize what life was about until I turned 35 and I mm-hmm. wish I could have gone back and taken a little bit of that more seriously but we yeah. you know we had a lot of fun on the road and um and you know we kicked ass every show I think you know we yeah. still put it down but we also had a lot of fun and um you know, we didn't have really have uh, much responsibility back then. Yeah. And now, you know, I, we just did this little run with Rakim and I didn't want to be on the road. I wanted to be at home with my daughter, yep. you know, and it was, it was, it was quite the opposite. Every night I would look at Dom on this last run and I'd be like, damn, we're going back to the room and I'm not even drunk. 
You know, <laughs> no, like for weird. sure. It's like, like what's the point? It just, yeah. So it, I mean, it's, it's there's definitely stuff like like that. You know what I'm saying? Like you were just having fun, and I mean, it's a trip. Like without even having like cell phone cameras, like now, like you had to like actively think, oh, I need to go get a camera and take a photo, and that didn't right. always happen. So a lot of these right. things just kind of live in our memories. But a couple of things I remember touring with Hyro, like we got we always hung out with like souls uh a plus and casual and those guys dell is always you know kind of shy and just kind of does his own thing i remember we were playing in boston we just got done playing and he walks backstage and like the first thing he had said to me the whole tour is like y'all killed it tonight it's like cool <laughs> all right that's you know it's like yeah. little stuff like yeah. that where you're like yeah all right Another thing, another thing that really <laughs> sticks out from touring. I I had booked us a small run across the Midwest. We're <clears throat> we're just getting started, but we are in Montana <laughs> uh, with some of our old Dominion guys, Sleep and Bishop, and a couple other guys. And uh, the night before, we got completely plowed, <laughs> and we woke up early to do this college show in Missoula, and it was probably minus twenty degrees so we're we're driving and i'm sitting passenger seat it's like seven in the morning and pale driver, driving my, my buddy pale is driving and while we're driving everyone's kind of sleeping i see the tire from the right side of the car front right just roll out in front of me and we ended up uh, having a serious serious accident what? the car with the van we flipped the van. It, it slid like 150 yards. Uh, and we all walked out of it. I had uh, sleep broke a couple ribs. I had a crack rib, but I think that was really it. Um, and we did so two we, shows that day. Yeah. We ended up Afterwards. still doing the shows. Two shows, one during the day and one that night. Before you guys hopped on, we were kind of talking about our approach for this interview, and I referred to you as road dogs, but I did not know how serious. <laughs> road yeah. warriors. Like, like, yeah, dude, fuck. That is crazy. Yeah. That's quite yeah. a tale. Glad and everyone I know, was I know, all right. Yeah, <laughs> I know we've seen some some tragedy on the road with other crews yeah. and stuff like that. J5 and yeah. um, mm-hmm. Anacon speaking of, like, you know, we've seen some bad things happen. So we are definitely lucky to walk away from that. Oh my yeah. God. That is, that is freaking crazy. Selfishly. I want to ask a question about, uh, y'all have hit Boise, no? Yes. Oh yeah. Okay. What can you tell us about Boise? Actually, so we was... played at the Neuralux in Boise a few times, I think three times. Okay. Um, and it's been probably 15 years since we've been in, Bo- at least 14 okay. years, probably okay. since we've been in Boise. Okay. Um, we used to I go there quite a bit, though. Yeah, we, this... we used to go up there all the time, actually. We used to do a run that would, anytime, we would be in Spokane, um, we would be in Boise, um, what was it, Yakima, Yakima and then Missoula. Yeah. Yep. We would do some small towns, and Boise was one of those. But we haven't been there for a while, but it, it was always cool. Yeah. Just to kind of build on that, like, um, you know, I'm, snarky but i'm like not not exactly hip-hop hotbeds right oh, like yeah. some of them are college towns and it do you think yeah. like when you when you do a run like that like the people are thankful that you brought the show to them or like was it just establishing relationships and then maintaining 
relationships. Like I think it's a little bit of both, man, because I think some of it is that, but they have to come out to be thankful for it. Yep. And there were times, man, we did some stinkers where there was like five people there, but then we'd come back and next time there's 15 people there. You go back again and then there's 50 people. Um, yeah, it's definitely interesting. It depends on the city. I mean, there's the makeup of the city is different and that doesn't always impact like we've had some not so great shows like we did a show in houston that was like cool this is great (laughs) you would think that there was a ton of people but it was like a smaller crowd and just the crowd was kind of in a weird vibe so it was like all right whatever we did houston you know the the people really appreciate in those towns like yakima for instance Mm -hmm. They really appreciate the hip hop shit, the good shit. And they can tell their local openers that suck ass and in a group like us that comes that's polished a little bit, they can tell what's good and they'll come up to you and they'll they'll buy your merchandise and you'll you'll get a fan for life. And that's yeah. kind of how we've been able to maintain our, our credibility or whatever you want to call legacy in the Northwest is that, you know, we hit those those stages many, many times with with a lot of people. Um, yeah. You know, we've hit those stages with the Lifesavers and Cool Nuts and even mm-hmm. Macklemore and the Blues, like all, all yeah. of our guys in the Northwest have all hit these stages. But I'd like to say we hit them first, you know. Right. But I, I think a big part of it that is making those connections because you're building with people or, you know, we don't stand in the back room like you don't go to Boise and then stick in your green room by yourself for the whole right. night right. you go out there and you're meeting folks you're like selling merch you're like talking about stuff and like Kareem said you, you it might be those five people are diehard fans that showed up to that first show right so yep. they're pulling more people in and I think that's what's really important yeah yeah no that's a a great uh, lesson for folks trying to build a fan base I'm wondering, we, we had the chance to talk to Slug um, sometime last year, and he told this amazing story of like traveling across four states um, to a show in Texas or something, and there being like three people there. What, what, was, your, what was your kind of uh, most disheartening uh, tour story? Like, when did you, when did you go like, mm, maybe we shouldn't be doing this. Like, this is fucking... Could, Dude, should we, but, w- w- how about when we went with one below um and quasar and everybody uh to the strip club and we had to perform at a strip club so it wasn't itself a strip club it was under the same roof as the strip club, strip club. ran by the same people so on our side there's literally one security guard and the sound man on the other side it's a strip club <laughs> so we're just like Let's just perform they paid for us because the promoter comes up to us. There, there's about 20 people at the show, uh, but the promoter came that. up and <laughs> the, the promoter came up to us and said, "Hey, can I pay you in strip club dollars?" Yeah, and we're like, "Fuck yeah, you can." You can. What, do, what do I look like? Do I have a choice? <laughs> and then in the morning, we go out and roast spit. He's gonna get mad at me if he listens to this, but roast spit had thrown up all over the room because we had one of the funnest nights we had on tour. But it all started off uh, getting booked to do a, a club that was attached to a strip club that had 20 people there, which was should have been a shitty night, but it was. <laughs> but that but night think, when when Dom mentioned Houston, I think that was on the Zion I tour that we did. Yeah. And, and it, you know, we thought it was all the other shows were cracking. 
but we didn't have it like that in, in Houston at the time, which has always been kind of a tough market for yeah. traditional hip hop, you know? Oh, really? Absolutely. Okay. okay. No, and I think, um, I don't know, like when you say that moment, and I'm sure Slug will tell you this, man, There's we've all done shows locally as we were starting where there was nobody there. There was like five people there. You're playing in front of the other bands, yep. the bartender and like three of your homies that actually followed through and came out. And that's part of it. You know, you still the big thing for us is it didn't matter if there were five of you or five thousand. You go all out. Right. It's yeah. you. You practice the way you want. You don't want to have a bad show just because nobody showed up and i think it actually benefited us when we did bigger shows because it was like bigger shows are easy right bigger right, shows yeah. are easy anybody who starts doing bigger shows i question their credentials because you don't you don't learn how to like really work the crowd like try to get it's easy to get 500 people to like chant with you or throw your hands up but get 10 people 20 <laughs> people to do yeah. that yeah. is a whole different ball game and make it fun for them you know and that's yeah. that's i think we really cut our teeth doing that so on that note i'd love to ask you guys like over the time over the repetitions did you develop little um i don't i hesitate to use the term routines but like did you did you get little things between the two of you as mcs that you knew would unlock a kind of energy for the crowd or can you talk to us about your your back and forth between the two of you i think a big thing with me and kareem and he can add to this is just we know where each of us need a breath we know which things we can input and instead of being like <gasps> you know where you can take a breath because the other person's gonna come in and we know those like they're doing these songs over and over we know right when the other person's gonna come in which helps us with always being even when we were completely out of shape being able yeah. to do have good breath control by having each other's back. And when you go back and forth like that, it's a lot more interesting for the crowd. Yeah. So I've, you know, if you guys remember smooth, the hustler and trigger the gambler on yeah. broken language, yeah. how they kind of went, I know that was, that's how some of our songs have always been. Like we finish each other's lines and, and kind of do that. We've always thought that that's the type of hip hop that we liked, you know, like just that back and forth rapid, you know, shit with a little bit harder lyrics. And and so right. with that, it's always been that. And we've always had like call and response and and other stuff like the boom bap, original rap and, and stuff that people can remember. And we, you know, learning that stuff, you know, you you watch a lot of run DMC, you watch a lot of mm -hmm. public enemy, you watch a lot of high you know, the, the groups out there that really know how to rock the stage. We learned that from them and we learn from the best, I think. And that that's kind of what we built our shit on. That's dope. That's dope. Uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, the new record, uh, Return Flight. Um, it's kind of a lot of space between this release and, and y'all last release. Can you talk a little bit about uh, the layoff and then kind of the approach going into this record? Why this record? Why now? I'll, I'll say the layoff first. Was I, I mentioned it before when, when we were with Rhymesayers, and and doing all that stuff it really it stopped being fun after a while with what life mm -hmm. had in store for us relationships and and being broke and and always being on the road you go on the road and you got to quit another job you know mm. and then you got a girlfriend at home that that fucking hates you and then you're you're cheating and doing all the stuff <laughs> you're doing on the road and it just at a point just became not what we both wanted to do and i i completely quit 
and I, I started a marketing company and a label. I ran mixed music records and I put out like a superstition album and I was working with one below and I did a bunch of stuff there. And then, you know, I, I moved, Dom continued to, to release music, solo music and do stuff with Old Dominion. But then I'm, I moved back to the Bay. I mean, back to uh, the Northwest a couple of years ago, reconnected with, with Dom and we became friends again. And, and, uh, and, you know, we both inspired each other to, to write. And then we started reaching out to our boys who just so happened to be the best producers in, in you know, mm-hmm. that I know, the vitamin yeah. Ds and the, the Troxes and the Jake yeah. ones. And, and, you know, like those are our, our, our genuine friends. And so getting the music and getting everything back on a, on a level was easy. But I think growing up as men, being in our 40s and seeing that experience of when it wasn't fun and being those road dogs that you guys said and going everything just made us have a lot more depth and more stuff that we could write about that actually made uh, felt better. And I think what we came up with, with this return flight album is the best music we've ever made. Yeah. And I think when you talk about the timing, it's really, we became friends again. Mm. That was first and foremost. And then we started kicking around the idea and it's like, I think at the end of when we stopped doing music, it didn't feel like, we were spending very much time just being friends and vibing and hanging out. It was like, oh, we have to get this done. This has to be done. At that point, I had two kids. I had like a newborn and like, I have two kids 17 months apart. So it was Mm. like Mm. chaos, right? So he's like, we're all in different places and we just didn't, we weren't being like, focused on the friendship and I think once we got together like we didn't even talk about music it isn't like we got together and we're like hey man let's do some new music cool all right it was we hung out he came over for a barbecue I went over to his house our wives hung out and then it was like you know what what do you think about trying to do something and then we met up first with Trox because he was in Portland and we were like hey what what do you think about doing some stuff for Boom Bat because he remembers us from when he was young you know what I'm saying like when he was like high school and past high school he always he knew our music and had a lot of love for us so he was like yeah I'm down and then it was like all right let's let's get one song done and that became um Hagler versus Hearns that was uh the first one we were like all right cool and then it just started growing from there and I think the fact that it wasn't forced and it was just fun is the reason why it's out that's really cool. I, I appreciate your guys' candor. I don't think enough people talk about the grind and like the how it how hard it is on people's friendships. And um, I, I'm glad to hear that you guys have become friends again. I think that's awesome. Um, yeah, the the new record is definitely um, needs to be heard. I think it's an important part in your guys' chapter and the the name very nice like um it it speaks to the kind of the theme of it and like you like you i I love some grown man rap since stakes is high basically i think this fits neatly into that category and uh, appreciate that yeah um just like looking forward to seeing what else comes of uh your guys journey but really appreciate you guys hanging out you guys are mad cool and like just really really do appreciate you like thoughtfully answering the questions and being real thank you man thank you guys for having us man appreciate it Absolutely. Absolutely. Everybody check for it. It's out now. Return flight. Boom back project. Thank you so much. Thank you. Have a good one. Peace. Peace. Take care, guys. Thank you.
so that was our conversation with boom bat project uh super cool cats it's it's one of those moments on dad by rap pod where i'm like i see myself um some of their experiences i was like yeah in a lesser form i i did i i did that show yes i know exactly what you mean by the five people uh in the auditorium and and you gotta rock which i will say this i think is harder I, I think it's much harder to connect with a, a teeny tiny group. They talked about a little bit in the interview uh, to come out and like rock shit. The only people I could say that I've seen do that really well is like Mystic Journeyman. Um, literally, I was one of four people in a room. And by the end, we were all buying tapes and T-shirts and, and shit because they killed it. So shout out to uh, Boom Bat Project for, for coming on. They're pretty cool cats, you know? Yeah, definitely. Really, really, really chill dudes. Um, they're our age. They're in many ways from where we're from. So we just kind of instantly broke down with them, which I always enjoy interviews like that. Um, you know, it's it's different than what a rapper has to do. But I have DJed some empty rooms mm. and uh, I was never a very good DJ anyway. And I kind of ch- picked and chose times and places to do that where the pressure was kind of off and like you don't invite me to your (laughs) dance party right like i'll do your 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 happening your your chill out room your like art gallery or whatever but at that point djing is just like listening to your your records loud like out of publicly yeah Yeah, publicly and then as people come in you try to like find a rhythm with them and stuff but i have definitely played some empty shows like (laughs) and actually weirdly been paid for some of them because you wouldn't volunteer to do this thing no one's going to but if someone hires you you show up you bring it you bring all the equipment you plug everything in you do the exact same thing as you would if people were there but you just basically don't have to worry about if they like it or not so in that small way i can relate to these people who have the much harder job of like attempting to hip-hop on people like unsuspecting people it's yeah. like how, like, if you don't know you're in a stand-up comedy venue, it just seems like someone's making a terrible speech. It's just like, you don't want... If you didn't come for that, if that's not what you specifically you. Yeah. came for. Yeah. <laughs> I think of, like, college shows and stuff. Like, there was there was a couple of shows in my the dining hall or auditorium thing of my college, and I was just like, this is going bad. Like, I'm going back to my room. Like, <laughs> I would much rather not be here for this embarrassing time. Uh, hip hop can definitely be cringy, uh, but you know, Boom Bap Project, they, they got a new project out. You guys should definitely check uh, it out. Return Flight. Everybody Return Flight. Great, great name. After like a, a decade layoff, they're, they are back. So definitely check for that. We also want you to check for the Manscaped Lawnmower 4.0, just to let you know, support for Dad Bod Rap Pod is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Champions of the world, Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped just launched their fourth-generation Lawnmower 4.0. You heard that right, the 4.0. Join over 2 million men worldwide who have a Manscaped trimmer, which includes us. Uh, You can get one with the exclusive offer code DADBOD. Go to uh, manscaped.com, enter the code DADBOD, and you get 20% off of the trimmer. Nate, you are, I think, a resident grooming expert. Um, (laughs) I always feel like, uh, you know, sometimes I can do like the the wild unmanicured thing. Um, I think they call it depression, but... (laughs) Uh, <laughs> yeah, you seem to uh kind of keep kind of keep your shit together how does man, how does a uh, manscaped lawnmower compare to other kind of 
trimmers that you've had? Yeah, you know, this is subtle, but since you asked, like, um, I have another trimmer and it's like violent. Like, like when you turn it on, it often will blow out like the fuse in the, you know, yeah. you have to like yeah. press that little red button, button and you, you never understand quite what's going on. Cause it's like, you haven't had your coffee yet. And anyway, so I, I have one like that where it's like, really, it's this really aggressive, like negative energy buzz kind of thing coming from it. And uh, I've used it for years, but I don't particularly enjoy it. I think the thing that's interesting about the Manscaped one is that they put a lot of thought into the design and it's very sleek. It's like okay. if Darth Vader groomed underneath his oxygen suit, this is definitely okay. what he would use. <laughs> um, it, like, it has kind of Darth Vader vibes. Darth Vader okay. is one of the okay. best, best designed costumes out there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It's, it's just a really well-designed machine. It buzzes at like a, a non-aggressive level. Um, I think the guards are like, you know, well proportioned for what it's set out to do. Right. And it's just, it's just overall a very good product. Yeah. Sleek product. Uh, it's something that we are, uh, we all got one. So it's been kind of cool to check it out. It's not the type of thing I would have bought for myself, but now I'm like, you know what? I deserve it. Uh, so <laughs> check us out. Uh, Manscaped.com. The code is dad bod. You get 20% off. You also support the show. Uh, and we really, really appreciate it. Um, all right. Dad bod rap pod is on Twitter at dad bod rap pod every week. Most weeks. I post a question of the week to our Twitter timeline. This one is the topic that we covered at the top of the show, which is uh, tell us about your whack show experience. And so we got some very interesting answers. I'm going to read off some of them shout out to everybody for uh participating in this one i will say this i'm just going to summarize like four or five tweets um uh rakim is not a great live performer unfortunately uh i was going to cut you off nate in the beginning when you're like hey young guys don't wrap up your own vocals like rakim does um, oh wow I yeah, see, i've seen rakim be good and dave yeah, was there yeah yeah <laughs> I, saw, I only saw him once and i thought it was incredible so, yeah yeah but but thank god you know yeah, that, totally, that my yeah. one experience was the good one yes. yeah i i, def we, we I have definitely him on seen the, him. this live band tour and he was really good really good. sharp right but it's, that's right. It's, i think uh not, not to like steal your thunder demon but a, a thing that a lot of people said about really famous rappers was that they expected everyone to know the words all the time. Yeah. And like, I just don't think that's a very safe assumption to make in like a streaming era, right? It's like, oh, you might kind of have a passing familiarity with a song, but it's not like the CD you bought when you were 12 and it was the only CD you had and you like totally. memorized everything, including the skits. Like just people have a right. different interaction level with the music, even the music they like nowadays. Like you just can't expect everyone to be able to finish. I mean, they, the things seem to be like when people chose to have people finish the lines, if it happened too often, that seemed to be a major turnoff, just kind of glancing at the overall thread. Yeah, yeah. People uh, people don't appreciate rappers rapping over their own vocals. Uh, too much crowd, uh, too much crowd participation to Nate's point earlier. Um, and then there's just these weird Shows can be weird. So I, I, I really enjoyed this thread. I uh, want to share one from uh, Blood Money Perez, who's a, a frequent contributor to the Dad Bod Rap Pod timeline. I performed at Cal Poly Pomona Summer Fair and opened for Maroon 5 and Quali. There's a show. Wow. Um, there was 12 people. It was outside. It was 100 degrees outside. No one was there for any sort of hip hop, let alone there at all. 
this was right before Maroon 5 first album took off. And I guess when Quali wasn't the biggest pariah in hip hop history. So that was a, a very crystallized moment in time. Um, when that sh- when I read this, I was like, I feel like I've, I've been at that show. Um, let's see. The next one comes from Papa Pitch, uh, who simply says, Nas, we bought our tickets months in advance. Was supposed to be opened by 5'9", which I assume he means Royce. When we arrived, the show had been split into sh- two shows. And we got the second. No opening act at all. Only performed for 45 minutes. Played only half of a song and expected the crowd to rap half of that song. So to that point, uh, and which with Nas, that's kind of difficult. Right. I, I feel yeah. like, uh, like <laughs> the, the whole crowd's spinning. like realizing the realism of life and actuality. <laughs> fucking <laughs> <laughs> I know, totally. Like what? <laughs> like, dude, Nas turns to you and like. Just somebody um, <laughs> brings out a cornet and starts doing a Ludara solo, which is like, wow, you got a really good crowd tonight. Um, what's it called? The uh, Curly Castro is going to be mad at me. Um, what I was going to say is like, I'm not mad at a 45 minute set. <laughs> That's plenty. You're of there for it. Express your art. Like, just, yeah. I'm not saying do the hits. I'm like doing the do the show you came to perform. If it, I'm not looking for an hour and a half from basically anyone. Like I've seen Bob Dylan 10 times. The longest ones are were always the worst. Yeah. It's like just yeah. just do what you're here to do and move on. Like and, I'm not I'm not measuring it by the time. Right. I'm measuring it by the impact. You know what I mean? Uh Dave, do you get irritated when uh when people don't do their hits? When you no, come I I I I like a mix of both. So okay. that's sort of, that's sort of the simple answer. But yeah, I don't want I don't want to hear your, you know, biggest hit. I don't want, yeah. I don't want you to start off with that or end with that, but I like it interwoven. I, okay. I, I like to hear like the, the fan hits, you know what I mean? Like, like yeah. the B-sides that everybody likes that was never a 12 inch or something like that. That's okay. what always like struck me most. That's right. Bring your deep cuts when Dave Ma shows up. Uh, <laughs> on the topic of rappers um, expecting the audience to finish their lines. I think with certain artists, it works. I can't see how that would work for Nas. Totally. I've seen Too Short do it expertly. Oh, because now we're in a moment of with Too course. Short, right? And it's his. It, the cadence is simple enough to uh to where you can do it. Uh, this next one is about a show performed by uh, one of Nate's favorite rappers, French Montana. Uh, at <laughs> LK Blaise says French Montana in a club in MTL, which I think is Montreal. Uh. I only know that because I watched baseball as a kid and that was the Expos uh, abbreviation. There they uh, just call him Montana. Oh, <laughs> French Canadian Montana. Uh, I knew it was going to be 40 minutes. I knew it was going to be 40 minutes in the presence of the rapper more than a show to my earlier point about walkthroughs. Um, but he got on stage completely drunk, shouted over punchlines for five songs and he had to be swept off the stage because he couldn't stand up right. That has entertainment value, though. I don't I don't even if that's a bad rap show, um, I imagine it. And I was I was a little bit amused. Um, I have to say uh, people getting too drunk was a common thread in these complaints. And sometimes you just catch people on an off night and they they, they green roomed it up a little too hard. And I think it's part of the touring life. We did an early mm-hmm. episode and many subsequent check ins on like is hip hop bad for your health and the like writer culture where like most people have booze as part of their writer. Mm-hmm. It just like when you deploy that 
is a very important part of how the show is going to go in my limited interactions with people backstage. Yeah, man. Uh, I will say this. Um, whenever I've gotten like super drunk and thought I was going to be good on stage, terrible. Really? Terrible. Ter- whenever I get that confidence, once you stop being scared, once you're drunk enough not to be scared to go on stage, that's my cue that like I have drinking too much. Um, but also when you're getting paid and the stuff's free back there, I, I can't hate. Um, we'll do one one more. DJ, bad DJ, at bad DJ. Um, cool Key 2002 House of Blues. He rapped 1 to 22, counting off all the numbers, and then rhymed it with space doo-doo. The crowd was uninterested, and he did the most low-energy set where he would forget lyrics and put the mic out for the crowd to do. No one knew the words. <laughs> <laughs> Again, Cool Keith, that's cool hard. Keith. If you go that's to Cool Keith, though, and he's like blue and you don't go flowers. Right, right. Exactly. exactly. I also have to say that I would, I would pay right now to see him do this <laughs> space doo-doo counting <laughs> that. Like, that sounds amazing to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think there are, there are casual fans of Cool Keith, and then there are people for whom that sounds like a good time, and I'm one of the, the latter. Man, that sounds like some Andy Kaufman <laughs> shit. That was just about to say that yeah this is it's performance art at at some point uh we want to thank everybody for uh chiming in on the question of the week at dab on rap pod on twitter is the handle uh for you to connect with us we are also on instagram at dad bod rap pod we have a limited number of mugs left if you haven't gotten your mug yet uh now is the time i don't know how much longer they will be on the market i know i sound like home shopping network but at the same time it's real it's real in the field. Cop a mug. Just uh, one thing on the mugs, especially buy the mug if you're left-handed. Most oh, mugs okay. are made for mm-hmm. right-handed people because the right-handed supremacy. Yeah, I said it. Uh, <laughs> in design, because the world is designed for the you know less normal than normal people percent yeah. of uh, the world, but us creative left-handed people uh don't often get things that play to our strengths so you may not ever be able to use scissors which i've never understood the scissor just goes up and down no matter which (laughs) hand it's in someone's gonna have to explain that to me but our mugs by the quirk of their design are excellent for repping the show for uh my fellow left-handers so just a little plug there Absolutely. Uh, Nate, Nate, I'm sorry, shouting out the um, evil wizard community and (laughs) encouraging them to get the mug that was built for them. Uh, So definitely you can support the show that way. We really appreciate it. We are part of the Stony Island Podcast Network. Uh, Shout out to our patron, Open Mike Eagle, who um, I think of Open Mike Eagle like Uncle Traveling Matt on Fraggle Rock. (laughs) I'm just like, I see like little posts. I'm like, oh, you're there. Wow. Right, Right. You're you're touring and you're going around, uh, but still repping the show. And we're still repping the network. Uh, so shout out to all the programs on Stony Island Pods. We do a podcast every week. Uh, that's how we got to number one eighty five in less than <laughs> in less than three years. This shit is crazy. Uh, so we appreciate your continuous patronage. Check for us every Wednesday night, Thursday morning ish, depending on where you're at. We are the Dad Bod Rap Pod.
Tony Island Audio.